Well, good morning, faith family. It's good to see you. If you got a Bible, go to the book of Psalms. Uh, we are putting together this summer uh, what we're calling a mixtape. We're picking out some of the songs in Scripture. We know them as Psalms. Uh, we're putting them together because God has given us some songs to sing, uh, no matter what season of life that we face. And it's just amazing how practical God's Word is, uh, that when we have issues in our life, God has given us a song that we can sing. And I bet if I were to ask you what was on your mixtape in the book of Psalms, I guarantee you Psalm 23 would be on that mixtape. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning, uh, Psalm 23, a very well-known psalm. And if you're able to stand, I'll ask you to do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. I do want to give... Uh, a brief hello to all the people in Overflow. appreciate so much uh, them being willing to sacrifice to be in there. Uh, Psalm 23, let's look at God's Word to us this morning. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful song. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, speak to us this morning. I believe that there are many here that need this song right now. So, Spirit of God, come and teach us. I am completely desperate and dependent upon you to do that. Open our eyes, reveal to us what it really means to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Help us sing that today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. It's a phrase that was made famous by the hit western, Lonesome Dove. And I don't know how many of you remember that story, but it's a story about two former Texas rangers who are trying to be some of the first ranchers to settle in Montana. Now, they're best friends, but they couldn't be any more opposite. Woodrow, for instance, who's played by Tommy Lee Jones, he's a very stern guy. He's serious about life, and he, he takes his job seriously. He keeps a tight rein on his emotions. He's about getting things done and staying focused on the task. His friend Augustus, known as Gus, who's played by uh, Robert Duvall, he couldn't be any more opposite. Life for Gus is a party. He likes a good drink of whiskey. He likes to chase women, but he'll stay up late at night reading the good book. Best friends. Totally opposite. And the opposite nature of how they approach life becomes very clear at one part of the story when one of their mutual friends has made some bad decisions that's got her in trouble and they're trying to decide what to do. Woodrow says, we need to stay focused on Montana. We got to keep on the task. Gus wants to ride off and help her. And then there's the heated exchange. 
Woodrow looks at Gus and he says, we can't get involved in this. You go up there, you're going to end up dying. And Gus, in that famous line, looks back at Woodrow and he says, Woodrow, you just don't get the point, do you? It ain't dying I'm talking about. It's living. It ain't dying that I'm talking about. It's living. And that phrase is precisely how we need to think about Psalm 23. You say, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Psalm 23 is one of, if not the most well-known chapter in all the Bible. Wouldn't you agree? Some of you have it memorized. You've got the Psalm 23 bookmark or the little coffee cup. Even people who don't even like, know much about Christianity, they know Psalm 23. Why is that? Because it's the funeral psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We hear it almost every funeral we go to. In fact, I did an honest inventory of this. I've not preached this text outside of a funeral. Are you nervous or something, right? <laughs> oh no, what does that mean? But here's what I discovered as I poured myself back into this psalm. It ain't talking about dying, it's talking about living. It's talking about how you approach life. Who do you trust? The government? Your spouse? Your 401k? Who guides your life? Who do you go to when your soul needs to be restored? It ain't talking about dying. It's talking about living. It's talking about living with an absolute contentment in God. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That is packed full of theological dynamite. I'm afraid we're too familiar with that. Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm afraid we're too familiar with that so that we just pass right by it. It's the little bookmark, but we don't understand that that's a life-altering, game-changing statement. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me unpack it for just a moment. Shepherd. Let's be honest. We don't have much dealings with shepherds? When's the last time you sit down at Starbucks for a cup of coffee with a shepherd? <laughs> Probably doesn't happen that often. We, we don't relate to that very much. In fact, we tend to think of, of shepherds in passive terms. Uh, we conjure up the imagery of, of Jesus holding that little lamb. It's so cute. He looks like Fabio. He's got... <laughs> well-perfect flowing hair, like he's just out of a hair commercial. His clothes are clean. His hands are smooth. He's coddling the little lamb. We think about shepherds in our Christmas pageants. Or sometimes churches will talk like this. He's not much of a preacher, but he's a really good shepherd. What do they mean by that? He coddles the sheep. He, he, he's relational. He, he, he loves people. Friends, that's not the biblical imagery of a shepherd. 
The biblical imagery of a shepherd is that someone who is rough and dirty. They've got scars. Their skin has been cracked by the sun. They know how to fight. They're a leader. They're ready for battle. Can I give you one example out of David's life? David is interviewing as to whether or not he could be the one to go fight against Goliath. Do you remember this story when you were a kid? And Saul looks at David and he says, you're just a little kid. He's a man of war. What makes you think you're qualified to go fight against Goliath? What is David's response? I have a lifetime fitness membership. I do P90X. I eat Wheaties. I, I know karate. That's not his response. Do you know what David's response is? I keep my father's sheep. That's odd. That'd be like me saying, what makes you qualified to go up against Mike Tyson in his prime? What makes you qualified to step in the UFC ring? And I said, what makes me qualified is I'm a shepherd. You'd be like, what? That, that sounds so sissy. What is David saying? You know what makes me qualified to go up against this giant? I know how to fight. In fact, what does he say right after that? I love this. He said, when a lion or a bear comes and takes a lamb, I strike it down. Here's the good part. And if he gets back up, I kill him. It ain't no decaf drinking, pink shirt, skinny jean wearing mama's boy. That's a man. That's a man among men right there. What's he saying? I'm a fighter. I'm a warrior. I'm a shepherd. Who is this shepherd? This fighter, this warrior. David says it is Yahweh. The Lord is this shepherd. He mentions the covenant name of God. A name with a past. A name with a resume. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the one that led two million out of Egypt. That guided them across the Red Sea. That protected them against the army of the Egyptians. That fed them in the wilderness. That guided them safely to the pasture of the promised land. And what did they sing once they crossed the Red Sea? Our God, Yahweh, is a warrior. He ain't no sissy God with flowing blonde hair. He's a God who fights. He's a God who's, who knows battle. He's a God who protects and provides. David says, Yahweh, this name of great resume, is a shepherd. He's a warrior, king, fighter. Oh, but it gets even better. David does something that's almost uncommon in the Psalms. Do you know what he does next? He personalizes it. The Lord is what? My shepherd. You know that almost all the Psalms, the majority is plural. It, 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 they're, they're corporate songs. Let us sing. Let us enter into his courts of thanksgiving. But David personalizes it, and it's awesome. Do you know? Here's what he's saying Yahweh, that is this warrior shepherd. 
He's not just the shepherd who led two million out of Egypt. He's the one that leads me. He's not just the one that fought the Egyptian armies. He's the one who fights for me. Let me tell you a mind-blowing truth this morning. Yahweh can be your shepherd. It's life-altering. It's game-changing. When you realize that Yahweh, the God of a great resume and history, will fight for you. Isn't it awesome? Let's stop for just a moment and say, that's pretty awesome. But let me just tell you, it's not true for you if you don't know him personally. It was personal for David. If it's not personal for you, you can't sing this song. But here's the good news of the gospel this morning is if you will repent of your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ, put your faith in God, He can be your shepherd too. And then you can say, that's pretty awesome. Well, where does this Yahweh is my shepherd lead? Pun intended. This phrase. Some of you just now got that. I shall not want. Well, what does that mean? It means God will give you whatever you want. Is that what that means? One of my favorite like early church fathers, Garth Brooks, <laughs> said, uh, <laughs> sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Can you imagine if God said yes to everything you want? That's a terrible idea. I don't care what you think. That's a terrible idea. This phrase does not mean he'll give you whatever you want. The phrase literally means I will not lack. I won't be wanting. The, the idea here, you got to get this. Don't like bookmark this and just move on. When Yahweh is your personal warrior shepherd, what situation in life could you possibly face that he doesn't have the resources to supply? How could you want? How could you lack? How could you not have a, a sense of I am content? Because Yahweh is my shepherd. Which raises a very stinging question. Are you content? Are you wanting? Always got to have more. Always got to be bigger. Always got to be better. That craving, that desire of discontentment. Paul Tripp says it this way. Enough is the persistent problem this side of eternity. Enough is what we seldom seem to get right. Enough is what trips us up again and again. Enough is what we find such difficulty in being satisfied with. Although the definition is different for each of us, the struggle with our enough is that it tends to keep expanding. And when it does, we never seem to have enough. Right here, faith family, isn't it ironic that everybody knows Psalm 23 and yet so few people have experienced Psalm 23? It ain't talking about dying. It's talking about living. It's talking about living when you can say, God is all I need. 
He's my shepherd, so I don't lack, I don't want. It is what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 11 and following, not that I am speaking of being in need. Why? Because I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need, what is it? That I can do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. That's not a verse for you to quote before you go on the basketball court. I knew all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't you rip that out of context. That verse is saying, I've got a God who strengthens me. He's my shepherd. So whether I got a lot or whether I got a little, I'm not wanting. I'm content. Isn't it beautiful? That's a lot more beautiful than your bookmark. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. And this contentment in David's life, because he knows God as shepherd, gives him confidence that God is going to provide for him. And that's now verses 2 through 6. This is just the first phrase. <laughs> we got five more verses. Let's go. Here's the first. David is confident because of his contentment in God as his shepherd that God will provide restoration. Now, stay inside the metaphor of the sheep and shepherd, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures, food. He leads me beside still waters, drink, which then results in he restores my soul. You need to take those three phrases together. It is that the metaphor is a sheep that's on a long journey and it's going to get tired and hungry and it's going to need nourishment and it's going to need restoration. And David says, here's what I know about my shepherd. He'll restore me. He will feed me. He will give me drink and he'll restore my soul. All eyes right here. You ever been tired? I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about in your soul. You ever spiritually been in a dry and weary land where you couldn't find any water? There was a lot more meetings at work than there were meetings with God. You were saying yes to all the wrong things and no to all the right things. Activity for God replaced intimacy with God. Family, finances, the stress of life left you prayerless and passionless. Have you ever been there? Let me tell you what you need. A shepherd. You need a shepherd who will come to you today and restore you and renew your soul. David is confident that his shepherd will. And do you know what he's going to do? He's going to make you lay down. Can I tell you what I know about stubborn sheep? We don't tend to lay down on our own. Somebody say amen. You ever made a child lay down? <laughs> Parents, you know what I'm talking about? You know, they, they yawn. <sighs> they start rubbing their eyes. But what do they inevitably say? I'm not tired. So what does a good parent do? You make them lie down. 
Maybe God hasn't changed your situation because He's trying to force you to lie down. Maybe you need to stop in this journey of life this morning and look at your schedule and look at your time and stop asking what is good for your business and what is good for your wallet and what is good for your lifestyle and start asking what's good for your soul. Because what will it profit a man if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? You got a shepherd this morning who's looking at you saying, I'll make you lay down. And when I make you lay down, I will feed you, I will give you drink, and I will renew you to the depths of your soul. What an awesome shepherd. David said, not only can I be confident that he's going to provide me restoration, keep reading, I'm confident that my shepherd is going to provide for me direction. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Uh, The imagery here is the idea of a sheep that tends to get lost if it doesn't follow the shepherd. In fact, now let me just go ahead and get this on the table. You're, you're going to hear me refer to Psalm 23 with a little bit different language than you're used to. Don't send me emails. That's just because many of us memorize it in the King James, and it's very beautiful, all right? But it's not exactly how the Hebrew reads. In fact, what you might do is check your margin. Most of your margins in your Bible will give you how it could also read, okay? That was totally free, but keep that in mind. The phrase, he leads me in paths of righteousness, don't get outside the metaphor. What it literally reads is, he leads me in the right paths. It's a sheep that can trust his shepherd to lead him in the right direction. Do you see? David is able to say, when Yahweh is my warrior shepherd, I can trust him. I can be confident that he's never going to lead me wrong. But when I start walking on my own, oh boy, that's when trouble happens. Anybody ever made a wrong turn? I'm not talking about your bad GPS. I'm talking about spiritually. You went somewhere you never thought you'd go. You went down the Bathsheba road. We are, after all, talking about David. A road of total regret and failure. Somebody emailed me this week. The details I will not mention, but they simply said in sharing some things, I will never forget the fact that you shared that sin will take you places you never wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you ever want to stay, and it will cost you more than you'll ever want to pay. And that person was basically saying, I need a shepherd. Because you can't shepherd you. But what a great truth this morning that we have Yahweh as our shepherd, that we can trust in Him. You see, the question for most of us, or for some of us, is not, am I on the wrong path? But how many of you have ever asked, how do I know that I'm on the right path? Anybody ever struggle with that? Like I got, a, I got a decision to make. How do I know it's the right path? 
Let me give you four things. I'm going to have to preach on this another day because I ain't got two hours and you didn't bring a lunch. So let me give you four things to jot down briefly. How do I know I'm on the right path? Number one is ask this, what does God say? In other words, our shepherd is never going to lead you in contradiction to what he has already said. Amen? If the Word of God violates what you're trying to do, you're in the wrong and you need to repent and return to the guiding of a shepherd. What does God have to say? Is there anything in this decision that goes against God's Word? Number two, what do godly people have to say? This isn't your sweet grandmother who'll just tell you what you want to hear, not that all grandmothers are like that, but it's somebody that you know has discernment, who has spiritual wisdom, who can give you insight. It's the book of Proverbs. It's listening to the counsel of the godly. Number three is what is the wisest thing to do? Once you've asked, what does God have to say about this? And what do godly people have to say about this? Is there anything in terms of wisdom that applies to my situation? And then when you've asked those three questions, here's what I want you to do right here. You ready? Pray, trust, and act. Pray, trust, and act. Here's what Kevin DeYoung says. I would recommend this book, Just Do Something. He says this. Go marry someone. Provided, you know, like finish the sentence, all right? Provided <laughs> you're equally yoked and you actually like being with each other. Go get a job, provided that it's not wicked. Go live somewhere in something with somebody or nobody, but put aside the passivity. The quest for complete fulfillment, the perfectionism and preoccupation with the future, and for God's sake, start making some decisions in your life. Don't wait for the liver shiver. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you will be in God's will, so go out and do something. Translation, trust your shepherd. It's not always going to be written on the wall, so you're going to have to what? Have confidence that He will lead me in the right path. Why? For His name's sake. What that means is this. God has invested interest in you, not because you are a good sheep, but because you're His sheep. David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. I have confidence that he's going to restore me. I have confidence that he's going to direct me. And then notice thirdly, I've got confidence that he's going to protect me. Oh, come on, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the imagery here? The imagery is a sheep going through a very dark valley. I told you I was going to make some translation comments. I don't believe the right reading here is the valley of the shadow of death, though it certainly includes that. The, the literal reading here is the darkest valley. It could be death. It could be all kinds of things. It's whatever your worst case scenario is. What is that for you? What is it that you fear the most? Anybody ever been through a dark valley? Be honest. 
the loss of a spouse, the loss of a child, months of unemployment. Anybody ever fall under that dark cloud of worry, another terrorism attack, the potential of bankruptcy? Anybody have enemies? I don't mean people that you've been rude to and therefore don't like you. I'm talking about people that want to see your faith destroyed. I'll tell you one enemy you got if you're a follower of Jesus. You got an enemy who's a roaring lion who would love to devour your entire life and spit you back out. But let me tell you some good news. You got a shepherd. And our shepherd's packing. He's got a rod and he's got a staff. And whatever your greatest fear is, whatever your biggest enemy may be, if it comes at you when you're trusting in the shepherd, he's going to take that rod and staff and knock it upside the head. For if God is for us, who can be against us? When the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God, it means nothing. We got a shepherd who will protect us in the darkest of valleys. And some of you, you may say, my valley is so dark that I've gone through or I'm in right now, I can't even see the shepherd. But let me tell you that the shepherd that promises to lead you in the right path promises to be with you in the valley. He is with you even if you cannot see him. I will never forget reading about what they would do to American Indian boys to initiate them into maturity. It's given me great ideas to do with my son. <laughs> they would take them out into the forest at night and make them stay all alone, all by themselves in total darkness. And every single crack, every single sound brought about a new fear in that little boy. What was that? What's that over there? And, and that, that constant fear of, is something going to get me? Is something going to attack me? I can't even see past my hand in front of my face. And then the sun would come up. And what the little boy would discover is just outside his vision all night long was his father. Bow and arrow ready. Watching over every second his son. And when the little boy would see his daddy, he'd run to him, realizing he'd been there at every moment in the darkness. You got a shepherd. You got a daddy. You got a father who's not going to leave you for a moment. He will fight for you in your worst case scenario. Isn't this? Yes! Glorious truth. This is not a bookmark. It ain't talking about dying. It's talking about living. It's talking about living when you're content in God and you're confident that He's going to restore you and that He's got your back. But we ain't done yet. We're just getting warmed up. Here's the fourth thing that David is confident his shepherd's going to provide for him, and that is abundance. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My Notice this imagery. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, notice this, shall follow me how long? 
all the days of my life. Do you see the emphasis there on abundance? It's, it's that this shepherd is lavishly pouring on me all kinds of blessings. And, and if I had more time, we'd unpack phrase by phrase. We, we just don't have that time this morning. So the main point of these verses is abundant victory. Abundant blessing ahead, flowing with oil, a cup overflowing with blessing, goodness and mercy, that is grace, that is following me all the days of my life. It is an abundant God, and it means this. Come on, faith family, stop for just a moment, take an honest inventory of your life, and admit God's been good to you. He's been really good to you. I know this isn't how you would have charted your course. I know that there's been things in your life you would have never wanted, but God has been abundant when it has come to His blessing and His mercy and His goodness in your life. Spurgeon called these, I love this imagery, he called goodness and mercy the hounds of heaven. said, God every day looks at the hound of goodness and the hound of mercy, and says, sick them. And you wake up in the morning, and they're right there licking your face, and they want to jump in your lap. The problem is, so, so many times, we're too busy to even stop and see it. But that's what our shepherd does. He pours out abundant grace in our lives. And then here's how David responds. Notice the last phrase of the psalm. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We got another textual thing here. Most people take that and talk about heaven, but it's not talking about dying. What it's talking about is this. If you look in your margins, you'll see that it can be read, I shall return to dwell in the house of the Lord. That's temple language forever. That is for a length of days. Let me tell you what David's saying. He's not saying I'm going to go to heaven because it ain't talking about dying. It's talking about living. Do you know what David's saying? Oh, I'm about to get excited. He's, he's saying this. When Yahweh is my personal warrior shepherd so that I'm totally content and I can have confidence that he's going to restore me and protect me and direct me and he's poured out abundant grace and mercy on me, I will return over and over and over and over and over again to worship him. I will return to the house of the Lord over and over again because when I think about how much my shepherd loves me, how could I not worship? This psalm's not talking about dying. It's talking about worship. When God is all you need and you have absolutely every ounce of confidence in him and you find yourself worshiping i hope at this point you would say i want god as my shepherd cuz i'm laying it all out here 
And if you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, how do I get that? I I want that contentment because I'm wanting. I want that confidence because I'm unassured. I I want God as my shepherd. Here's my answer to you all eyes right here. You need to surrender your life, you little sheep. And I mean that in the most loving way possible. You need to surrender your life to the shepherd of Psalm 23. Well, who is he? You say, Yahweh? Could you be a little more specific? Sure. God rebukes the shepherds of Israel, the leaders of Israel, because of their failing to shepherd his people the right way. In Ezekiel 34, Yahweh gives a promise that makes Psalm 23 more specific. Let me read it to you. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 23. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord who have spoken. Who will be their shepherd? Well, on one hand, God will be. Yahweh will be. The the God of Psalm 23 will be. But on the other hand, David will be. We have one problem. David's been dead for 400 years. That's a little bit of a problem. Unless you know your New Testament. Because the Bible says in the New Testament that Yahweh becomes flesh. And he comes through the line of David. You're kidding me. So you mean it is God in the flesh through the line of David. And who is that one the New Testament speaks of? Jesus Christ. And you're never going to believe what he said about himself in John 10. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You're kidding. I am. That's Yahweh language. I am that I am. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Right here, faith family, who is the shepherd of Psalm 23? Who is the one that can make your life content? Who is the one who promises to guide you and restore you and fight for you and pour on you abundant grace? His name is Jesus And do you know how I know he can do all that for you? Because he walked through the valley of the shadow of death alone. So that you could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As Revelation 7 says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. For heaven's sake, faith family, don't you see the point? 
Psalm 23 ain't talking about dying. It's talking about living. It's talking about real living, abundant living, eternal living, living right now with a song in your heart. You want to know how it goes? Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's pray. God, I have no idea what the needs of all these sheep are because I'm not the good shepherd. So would you come right now, expose in our lives what our needs are and lead us, guide us to yourself. There are souls in here that need restoring. There are lives in here that need direction. There are people worried and afraid. They're going through what they feel is their worst case scenario. They need a shepherd. Come in goodness and in mercy. Be our shepherd. Give us contentment and confidence in you, O God, our warrior king. So Spirit, come and do that. Come and minister to us. Help us sing, maybe for the first time ever, the Lord is my shepherd. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.